0: Hello and welcome back to In Football Terms for our 2022 season review. The podcast has now been reporting information for just over two months and we've really seen quite a lot happen in that period of time. We're mostly going to be focusing on stuff that has happened in that period of time. Some uh, instances will go slightly outside of that time bracket just to give you full coverage of the 2022 season and we're going to start with the first transfer that we actually covered uh, which was Chris Wood to Newcastle.
1: Yeah, I think this is this is surprising me because at the beginning we we didn't really know how long any of these were going to last any of these transfers and this one in particular had a lot of media attention but it it's really done really it's done really well and I think that shows that shows uh quality from both player and club and um to be honest I'm keen to see how far this one goes because they were very very new into them maybe a week two weeks into it when we when we first recorded our Wood to Newcastle uh, podcast, and I have not heard that there's been any any fractures in in the uh, relationship between the two, and I I think it's I think it's going really well.
0: Yeah, exactly, and we're still seeing lots of in person meetings. We're seeing both uh, the player and the club's home stadiums being used more and more and more. Um, and I think at the start we predicted maybe like an eight eight month contract for this one and I think you could put all bets on that being extended um, early early into next year. The second one which we reported on was Jesse Lingard to Nottingham Forest. As a bit of an acting agent for Jesse Lingard, I think you can speak to just how well this transfer is going so far.
1: Yeah, this one's been really, really good, and I didn't think there was going to be much action between the two. I thought it was going to be more just in-person um, meetings and conversation, but I, there's actually been a lot of... A lot of achievements made in this one in a very short span of time, and um, and we've really seen fans get around it, and and it's become a lot more private than I thought it would be. It's become a lot more um, almost irrelevant to the fans. You know, they they're not even concerned about it anymore. We we know it's going to do well, and and we have faith that it's going to continue to continue to go on for a for a long period of time. But, yeah,
0: and I think in terms of media attention, there as well. We see it really spike when it happens, but then completely drop off. And uh, apart from possibly only what we're going to talk about next, which was Richarlison to Tottenham, because of the amount of uh, uh, you know public uh, gameplay we see there, most of the transfers, we see a lot of coverage towards the start as it's happening, and then as soon as it happens, uh, both the player and the club seem to like to just bring it under the radar, which I think is helping
1: to uh, to... Uh, increase those contract lengths. Yeah, and as you say, Richarlison to Tottenham has been a transfer that has done exactly that. We've seen that both of them really do not want to be uh, in the public eye as much as they were at the beginning of the negotiations, and and they've done quite well there because now we see that they're very comfortable in their um, in their relationship, and and it's not been not been fractured at all, as we say, and. There's been so many in-person meetings. We're seeing action galore. We're seeing game time galore. We're seeing achievements happen. And I think that shows that they're really both both becoming really quite comfortable.
0: Another transfer that we looked at was Lukaku to Inter Milan. Uh, a quite, uh, An unfortunate uh, break that Lukaku had to take, uh, not from the transfer, just an, a bit of an overseas trip. Um... But I don't think that seemed to scupper the relationship at all. And I think the the relationship between the player and the club is still strong and going well. Could you say that?
1: Yeah, well, obviously, again, I know a bit more about this one. And what I've seen in this one is what I initially thought was just going to be a a quick stint of just pure action, pure game time. It's turned into player and club both genuinely enjoying this relationship genuinely enjoying the personalities that they bring to each other. And... I think that's why I now believe this one can actually go somewhere because it is actually less about achievements and, and game time. Although there is still some of that, we're actually seeing two two um, members that really enjoy their time with each other, and there's a lot of in person meetings, which we is not a is not a common thing we see in Lukaku's game. We saw him at Everton really struggle to to have in person meetings and really struggle to. Gain game time, and but he's clearly changed his tactics, or maybe Inter Milan has brought about a philosophy that much more suits him, um, which I think in this case would be true.
0: Well, but I just wanted to continue on Everton there because we have seen within the last month that uh, the information has actually been given out to the media that Everton will be moving and transferring uh, to a global to a global league uh, next season. And I think in doing that, obviously it's a it's a move that the club want to take to uh, to expand and, and grow as a club. But in the process of doing that, uh, I think, understandably, there have been some close advisors that have that have been slightly upset by this move, simply because they have been such a close advisor for so long, and simply uh, the distance in between uh, the advisors' offices. And uh, where the club will now be playing is just a bit further away, so they're going to have less involvement in in day to day involvements.
1: Yeah, well, I think this move is an interesting one because this move, from my perspective, is more of a to uh, more of a move to actually give Everton a chance to better their club as instead of actually, as you said before, expanding um, and and looking elsewhere. Everton is moving to a league now that is only surrounded by clubs. There are no players there. And maybe this publicity that the the league will bring about, that might help bring in players. But apart from that, I do think that Everton are going through a bit of a healing process where they're really trying to look to to embed themselves and to try and um, lift their reputation to the next level. But as you mentioned, this has fractured some some relationships that they've had with other advisors for a very long time. Especially one advisor being Liverpool that were almost felt a bit disrespected because they have they have been so close, so so tight for so long that now Everton's leaving leaving Liverpool. And even though they're not, you know, it's not a completely global move, it's still interstate. It is going to be much harder for them to, to see each other. So I think from Liverpool's perspective, quite rightly, there was a bit of tears, there was a bit of upset by this. But ultimately, I think you have to look and almost encourage Everton to take this next step in their, in their club career. I think uh, an
0: interesting aspect to this move is, like you said before, the nature of uh, the league Everton moving into being clubs and, and clubs only. Do you think that could change uh, the recruiting policy of of Everton actually look to to merge clubs rather than bring in their own individual players just go on and fully merge with other clubs instead
1: of you know wasting time with individual players look, I think that would be a bit of a bold statement. I don't think that Everton, especially at this phase in their career would be looking to sign clubs because that that takes a lot of. A lot of change in Everton's career, although it may happen, we can't assume anything. But I think what it's just going to bring about is, I think it's a good move for the simple fact that Everton are be- going to become a better club, and they're gonna they're gonna increase reputation. And the league that they're moving to is going to bring about another level of reputation, just from a player's perspective. And I think being it being such a a public league that we that Everton has just come from. You've only got the players within that league to really search for. Whereas now, I think they'll be able to actually branch out elsewhere. Let's come to more
0: recent events uh, in which we've seen for a good few months now. Actually, Gilfie Sigurdsson in negotiations with West Ham. I think from the player's perspective, this is a period of negotiation which has turned uh, into, you know, a bit longer then... A um, bit of a stalemate. A bit of a stalemate. The negotiations, I wouldn't say that they've stalled, but they've just been, you know, drawn out over a longer period of time than I think uh, Guilfi would have expected. And I think that has been more uh, pushed from West Ham's perspective, not looking to uh, rush into any transfer at all, really having a good look up and down at Gylfi Sigurdsson to see the player that they would be bringing in. But... Uh, I think it's really not all negative whatsoever, I think they're both uh, really enjoying uh, each other's company. Uh, We're seeing lots of in-person meetings and I think there is uh, a lot of good chemistry between Gilfie and hopefully his new club West Ham and hopefully this is a transfer that we can see uh, get done in even the next few weeks and surely months because I think... That both the player and the club deserve this move after such a long period of negotiation.
1: Yeah, and I think you there's two two perspectives you can look at this from. You can look at it from Gilfie's perspective or West Ham's, but either way, this the early stage of these negotiations was a bit rocky. There was a bit of uncertainty from both sides. Whereas now, it's certain that that Gilfie wants the move, but and it's certain that West Ham want the move. It's just more when West Ham want it because we saw. Um, we saw earlier in the week, uh, gilfie actually asked for the dotted line to be signed, and we saw that be temporarily, temporarily um, blocked. But I think I, I don't think that means too much because I think they're still there's their negotiations still going very well, and if anything, that's just given given West Ham the the proof that they need to go, okay, now gilfie actually wants this move. So now it's really just given to West Ham to, you know, over to you, you can choose when this happens.
0: And I think that we now know that when the dotted line will eventually be signed in this one, it is. it has full buy-in from both the player and the club. It's not, you know, I think we'll know that when West Ham does eventually say yes, that that's actually something... Uh, really good for the longevity of the transfer because it's full buy-in from West Ham instead of maybe going in when they weren't quite uh, as ready for it um, and possibly scuppering uh, the relationship and uh, resulting in uh, a short-term breakdown. Hopefully we can see a lot longer negotiation there.
1: We'll move on to a club that we have we've spoken about but we haven't we haven't highlighted individually just yet being Dortmund and we've seen very recently they have started searching out of state and in older age groups and rumors has it they have signed a dotted line with a global player take us away
0: well i think this is this is unbelievable from Dortmund i mean i don't know that anyone would have predicted this we know that Dortmund were really you know scouting around uh, quite heavily, um, starting with the age group uh, in, in our home league, looking at uh, players in the age group which they could bring in. Now, I did not know personally that Dortmund were open to looking at the older age groups. Neither that was something I. that I did not know of whatsoever. Um, what I increasingly did not know was that Dortmund was capable of signing the dotted line with a, a club from literally a different city it's a completely uh, different league not quite overseas overstate different state uh, I'm hearing that this that this uh, player is from Sydney uh, of all places um, but look if that is the philosophy that Dortmund uh, want to take on I think all that you can do is respect it and it is not a philosophy that I would have expected uh, but you know as long as as long as the club is happy um, I think that's all that's you know all that matters and I think from looking at uh, some leaks that I've seen some uh, TikTok leaks specifically I think the club is quite happy
1: yeah and I'm going to refrain from using the D word here but we have seen Dortmund search for players in our in our own current league as much as possible and we've seen nothing really come from it so now I think this is a bold move we've, we've seen Dortmund take the trip with with um close family members to to sydney and now it's come out of it and we hear that there's been a dotted line sign and certainly not something i would have expected and i'm quite keen to meet this man and bring him on the podcast because i think that would be a very interesting very interesting one and i hope that the the news we've been told is true we're not rambling on about some absolute rubbish here but i as you said from from the tiktok captions i believe this could be something
0: I mean, I would like to just see, just get some more, some more information on this one because I think that the leaks and information that the media has obtained is still very fresh. Whoa. It hasn't been peer reviewed. Uh, it's just we've we've got it specifically from one source, um, so uh, we kind of don't have any fact checking on this one. But looking at uh, at you know all the resources that we have available to us in the media, I think it was very clear that uh, Dortmund really. Uh, really enjoyed their uh, postseason um, training. I think you can almost call it a, a training trip to Sydney. Uh, they really enjoyed that time. And for some reason, I'm not too surprised that they've come out of it with, uh, with a possible signing. I would never have expected the dotted line. And I don't think we actually have that fact-checked yet.
1: Yeah, I don't know about that. And it would surprise me if the dotted line was signed because it was literally like a three-day visit to Sydney. So I really unless unless there's a lot of background uh, knowledge that Dortmund has about this player, I I would be very surprised. It would be a very weird philosophy to then go three days later and get the dotted line sign and get the player to come come up to to Brisbane to have a visit, have a meeting. Um, and as you said, their training must have been really good. But we know this player is religious, so I don't know how much game time there's going to be during this during this time. But it's. I'm finding this one really intriguing, and I, don't I know think dormant on the podcast would be unbelievable. I think that would be an unbelievable. Yeah, we're gonna like to so. need to get the fans on this one to to persuade that. But now we'll move on to the next topic, which is completely completely different. In one of our um, one of our more liked podcasts, being Tim Verner, we we found that fans really found humor out of his career in particular. And I just want to get your take on where you think this is going because we know right now it looks like it's going nowhere.
0: Well, we do know that uh, Timo Werner is currently at a club. We have touched on that very briefly in the past. Looking at Timo Werner, the player, I think at the moment he won't be feeling too bad because of how his last season has ended. We saw him performing quite well in in the SPL final um, we saw him get a move to, to the Holland Park Hawks first team. So I think in that department, he's doing okay, but that is, all he's, that is completely all that he's got. He's yeah, got nothing to fall back onto. And you know, I don't think the wages for Holland Park Hawks, uh, Hawks first play, uh, players are quite enough to uh, sustain a lifestyle away from, away from home. So I think that he, we could be uh, seeing him play here, actually in our studios, for a long while to come.
1: And we know that from what we do know of his club, it is a suitcase-sized club. And I really kind of hope for his sake, next travels he takes, the suitcase gets lost because I feel like that will give him the opportunity to branch out and, and really find success in, in his career. And as you say, the wages that um, that his jobs currently are having aren't going to be too, too sustainable. So I really hope that, that the suitcase gets lost and old mate finds his path.
0: What we have also actually seen with Timo Werner recently, we were talking about his jobs before, is he's actually undertaken a, uh, a new role uh, over at, at Winnin, where he is uh, in his car with a little cap on, and he's actually uh, driving around delivering pizzas to, to players and clubs, sustaining and giving uh, players and clubs the fuel that they need to perform on and off the pitch. Which I think is a, you know, a very uh, interesting role for uh, Timo Werner. Actually, one that doesn't not surprise me because uh, it is not very high skill whatsoever, and he can just sit in his car with the music on, which is what he loves to do anyways, and just deliver pizza to to players and clubs. And, and I, I think, think he's gonna love that.
1: I think this very strange and unexpected job highlights exactly what's going on through his head. He's got absolutely no idea, and. Maybe this is proof that A-tiles that do actually mean something when it comes to IQ level. Um, but, you know, we can't speak too soon and maybe something will come of this. And speaking of, as you said mentioned before, he did have a very positive SPL season. And do you think that there are shoes to fill in that SPL squad that we saw um, in late November? I think there are shoes to fill,
0: but I think it can be done by this age group that we're seeing move up, the under-16s, pretty much that we're seeing move up into into senior school football, I think they have the potential to fill those uh, roles quite well, actually, with uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson, um, you know, Free Agent Hayworth and some other players. Um, I think this year that can be done. Same cannot be said for uh, two years' time. I think that could be uh, really quite uh, a sad season uh, when we are playing at the at the height of senior football. But for next season... I think something can be done in, in SPL.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that is very true. I think sh- there are shoe- there are certain issues to fill, but they're not too big to be filled. Um, whether we have the likes of Oscar, um, our captain this year, Oscar, who's obviously now left, whether we have the likes to fill his shoes and, and someone like that, I'm not too sure just yet, but we could be proved wrong fairly quickly. And just touching on that because we know you yourself are um debatably the best goalkeeper in this in this up-and-coming um senior school team there are four goalkeepers going for this gig or or three depending on how you want to look at it what do you think how do you think that um that competition will go
0: well i think it's gonna be very interesting um I think all will be improved dramatically by the new coach, that Timo Werner, in fact, that we're getting in to coach, uh, to coach us four goalkeepers. I think we're going to see an exponential improvement in all of our abilities. Uh, due Just to
1: simply through the experience through, he's had as a goalkeeper.
0: Simply through that experience and the high levels of accreditation that he does have as well. You know, his A-level A, a level goalkeeper license and all that kind of stuff, which I think that means he can really bring quite a lot to the table. But yeah, as you said, we have we have the the four goalkeepers to choose from. I think you, Erling, mate. I think you're gonna get a gig, uh, playing, uh, on on the field actually, next to next to your good mate Romelu Lukaku. I think that's what, um, uh, Turp will be thinking there, which leaves three. I think, uh, Mr O'Leary will will get the the starting gig, um, specifically because of the fact that this is his last season, uh Playing that is a very fair point. And I think then it will be a, a competition between um, Home and uh, myself at that second spot. Home uh, does have a very good ability as a goalkeeper. I have watched him play. I've trained alongside him, in fact, um, for the last few weeks.
1: And um, he's also in his last year.
0: That is, that is just what I was going to say. That It is his last year. So I think he does deserve <laughs> to be given uh, an opportunity for at least a few games um, I agree. In that, in that SPL team because, you know, he's not a bad player at all and I think he can really bring something to the table. I think it's going to be good competition between...
1: And we do see him play in, a, in an under-23 squad um, outside of school, pushing for a first, which is, you know, very hard to come by in this this age bracket especially. So I think that they're, you know, don't rule him out, don't rule yourself out, don't rule O'Leary out necessarily because we don't really know. I think it's going to be a very, very good competition Um, and talking about home, he's one of our biggest ambassadors for in football terms. And we, I have a lot of respect for that. And we've seen him recently buy a few, uh, a few pieces of merchandise and moving on to merchandise. That has been a very successful part of this podcast, I think, because we've seen some of the biggest players and clubs utilize, um, and sign, sign merchandise deals with us.
0: Yeah. I think that's been a very, um, tactical move from us through pushing the podcast we really are available cross-platform we're trying to uh, gain as many um, you know as much media attention as possible you know we've got the website available across social media and I think with the uh, the contracts that we've signed specifically with some of the biggest players in the game Romelu uh, you know um, some some high performing Joey's players one of them. Transfers that got the biggest media attention in our age group, Richarlison to Tottenham, both of them signing a deal with us to wear to wear our merchandise. I think that really um, brings a lot of validity to the information that we're putting out because we have this buy in from the market.
1: Yeah, I think it's just been good to see that personally. Like, I don't really don't really mind where that takes us as a podcast, but it's just very nice to see um, in the very high levels of the World Cup, seeing our, our players walk around with with In Football Terms gear on and finally talking about uh, the future of this podcast we are in December on the, on December the 18th Sorry, we're seeing the Ballon d'Or ceremony and we're seeing a lot of different categories for that but the most important one is the Ballon d'Or itself and there is a very tight race must I say so if you head over to our Instagram page the voting link will be up there but just um, take us through your your kind of thoughts.
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, I think there's some excellent nominees for that one. Um, some that have managed to get themselves nominated despite uh, their transfer really not uh, going on for too uh, long of a period of time so far, which I think really speaks to how successfully some of those transfers have been going. Uh, I've casted my own vote, but I will keep that. Um, I'll keep that to myself until. We do see I that don't episode even know who
1: come voted out, for, so it'll be interesting.
0: We we will keep that under wraps until the episode comes out, which will be the eighteenth of December. Um, you know, we have a few other awards as well, some that we haven't announced that will be picked by me and Erling specifically for the uh, the podcast on the eighteenth. But yeah, I think all all nominees uh, could be deserving of the Ballon d'Or, and I, I think don't all see an bring, outlier. I think all bring their own uh, strengths to the table. Some transfers have aspects that others cannot match, and vice versa. So I think uh, all could, you can make a case for all of them to win it, but in my opinion, there's one standout, but we'll see what happens when we get to the end And what
1: is interesting is, we spoke about this before, and we obviously came up with our our summary, who we thought a standout could be, and it, it, it's actually very interesting, very interesting to see that many fans have actually reflected our thoughts. It's not just been not just been us, and sometimes this uh, d'Or ceremonies are really just which journalists prefer who, whereas I think I think it has actually reflected what we thought so that will be a very interesting one to announce and obviously we've still got what twelve days to to decide
0: yeah, and that will be mid December then we'll move in we'll have a, a Christmas special and some other some other episodes previewing what we think could happen in the next season. Around that same time, we will see two clubs returning back to their home leagues in PSG and Hoffenheim. I have heard from PSG that um, there hasn't been uh, too much game time specifically in Canada, but the quality of players is really high, and they have taken advantage of that, and they were looking at some short-term loan spells, and they have have had a lot of just very short stints, but in-person meetings... Uh, with players, but obviously that there cannot be yeah, anything long term there. That,
1: and just to interrupt you there, I did I did hear that PSG maybe are coming up with this tactic and philosophy that they've realised. Okay, maybe we need to start thinking about signing players back at home. So, from what had been like a three week ghosting, has now turned into some small just over the phone conversations with some of the the old players that they were in contact with. So whether that's a a tactic from them or just part of the healing process um, that we obviously saw PSG on. Maybe maybe that's that's what we're seeing, but that one will be very interesting. And with Hoffenheim, what, what do you expect? Because I personally don't have much input on that and don't have much uh, information leaked, but take it away.
0: Well, I think my expectation for Hoffenheim was never too high. I think they were never, in my opinion, a club that... Uh, their philosophy was never too involved um, with signing lots of new players. They were happy with their advisors that they had who steered them in, in a good direction. And I think they were, they were enjoying life in their home league. But I think possibly what has happened uh, in, this, in this global league that we've seen them playing in, in Germany, is their eyes have been kind of opened up to the, to the possibilities that our game brings. They have seen some uh, players over in Germany... That have, possibly not the specific players, but I think just the variety and quality of players that they've been seeing has really opened their eyes to, to the potential of what a, a transfer could bring to them, and I think they're bringing that same philosophy back into the home league, keeping their eyes very open to any opportunities that may come up, but at the same time not really getting too fixed down on any uh, distinct philosophy and keeping their options as open as possible, which
1: could be a very good, a uh, very good tactic from them, you know, just wait till till out of out of kind of the schooling age before before they start really thinking about signing players professionally. Um but I think that's a good good place to finish and I really enjoy doing this this podcast so thank you again for Brizio for for having me in the studio and um I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens in the coming weeks. Thank you very much Alan.